good to see you here this morning. Uh, trust and pray that you will uh, pray for me as we stand before you. Uh, over the last week, I've caught a little bit of a cold, and I hope I don't get horse, although I know our horse-er. That's not a good word, right? But anyway, uh, more horse uh, while, uh, uh, while uh, going through the preaching. But you pray for me. Pray for one another this morning as we come before you. Uh, as you know, uh, we've been looking across some things in the book of Hebrews for, uh, for a number of weeks and uh, uh, talked about uh, some things uh, you know, that relate to the overall message of the book of Hebrews, uh, to not fall back. Uh, to not uh, fall into unbelief as the uh, children of Israel had done when they were uh, uh, in their 40 years of wilderness uh, journey that resulted in a 40-year wilderness journey for them. Uh, but the, the uh, writer of the book of Hebrews pleads to the uh, Hebrew brethren, uh, one, for them not to fall back into their former life, their former ways of thinking, uh, to focus their hearts and minds on Jesus Christ, uh, to see him as the, uh, the great... Uh, deliver uh, for them and the great that the the fact that he was greater than angels greater than prophets greater than all uh, and as he goes through that journey he tells them for all of those of you that might be thinking that uh, uh, Jesus is not a high priest or couldn't be a high priest because he was not of the uh, uh, family of Levi uh, got a, got news for you there was another priesthood that was better than the Levitical priesthood it's called the priesthood of Melchizedek and so uh, Christ is forever a priest after that order. Uh, then he points them toward the, uh, the old covenant was good, but the new covenant's better. Uh, and as he talks about this new covenant that writes God's laws on our hearts and on our minds, and he says, I shall be to you a God and you shall be to me a people. Uh, and then he points to them, he says, don't turn away from those things. So I'm going to this... Go back in because there's a portion of scripture that I want to grab out of the tenth cha- latter part of the tenth chapter of the book of Hebrews again. We'll we'll skim across eleven real quick, which we uh, went into in depth over the last couple of weeks uh, in the eleventh chapter, and then we'll then we'll proceed into the twelfth chapter of the book of Hebrews. And I want to tie again a portion of scripture that we find here uh, to what we find over the twelfth chapter. He says here in this uh, as he's exhorting them. Through the, through the fact they have a better priesthood, a better covenant, uh, a better that Christ is better than all these things, and don't fall back into unbelief like like the children of Israel did uh, by falling back into your former former ways. He says, and uh, we'll read through this real quickly. He says, uh, but call to remembrance, verse thirty two, Hebrews ten, call to remembrance the former days in which after ye were illuminated ye endured a great fight of afflictions. Partly while she were a gazing stock or being made fun of, both by reproaches and afflictions, partly while she become companions of them that were so used. For ye had compassion on me and my bonds, and took joyfully the spoiling of your goods, knowing in yourselves that, that ye have in heaven a better and an, an enduring and an enduring substance. Cast not away therefore your confidence, which hath both recompense of reward for you have need of patience <clears throat> that after you have done the will of God you might receive the promise for yet a little while and he that shall come will come and will not tarry now the just shall live by faith and if any man draw back my soul shall have no pleasure in him so one of the key portions of scripture I think is uh, in this is verse 35 and 36 where it talks about 
Don't cast away your confidence in God. Don't cast away your confidence in Christ. Uh, and, and I think for us today, again, one of the greatest messages that we can receive in, in, to our hearts today is don't lose confidence in God. Today, so many people are looking around at what's going on in the nation, going on in the world. We've got threats of wars, threats of this, threats of that, threats of terrorism, uh, threats against Christianity in this nation. And I say threats, uh, more more trial than what we ever had in, in maybe in recent, maybe in the history of our country. Uh, but... Uh, tri- trials of, uh, of Christians being made fun of, if nothing else. It's not, you know, we can, we can bemoan about that a little bit, but you know, they haven't started taking us out and beating us and cutting our heads off yet, yet. Uh, and, and so, you know, the things that we're enduring now are minor, but if we, if we draw back from saying, uh, you know, that having our confidence in Christ and following after him under this kind of persecution, what will happen and what will happen to our children and our children's children if we fail now to be uh, continue in confidence and patience, which I think is the other great thing that's laid out here. For ye had to cast not away therefore your confidence, which ye had with great recompense of reward, for ye have need of patience that after ye have done the will of God, you might receive the prophets. The whole, the whole 11th chapter of the book of Hebrews, while, while it's exhorting and extolling these men of faith that, uh, that endured uh, many trials, many troubles, many problems uh, in their, their life, I believe the whole 11th chapter is laid out for me and you to see. One, these men were just like us. These men and women that are laid out here in this scripture are just like us. I mean, we've got uh, uh, the uh, the harlot Rahab laid out in there as one of the part of the lineage of Christ. Yet her past is a checkered past. Uh, we find people like uh, uh, like uh, uh, Abel. We find people like Noah who endured. Uh, as we've said, he went through a hundred years of building an ark, uh, constantly being made fun of and being laughed at, only to see that what God said was true. Uh, and I think that's where, you know, we are today is we, we are to remember God's word is true, uh, whether it's about marriage, whether it's about raising families, whether it's about his second coming, whatever it is, God's word is true. Uh, we may not see it in our lifetime, uh, but uh, we're to keep confidence in him and through patience, it says, receive the promise. And, and that word patience, very interesting word when you, when you look at steadfastness, constancy, and endurance. You know, that's not often. Sometimes we think about being patient. Well, I'm sitting here patiently waiting. No, you're not. Uh, when you when you say it in that tone of voice and that kind of you're not patiently waiting constancy steadfastness endurance uh, uh, and not only that when you look up that word it means joyful endurance so uh, now then, now then we could tie that when I get over to the twelfth chapter of the book of Hebrews you'll see a picture of Jesus Christ the author and finisher of our faith and, and go back and look at these men uh, okay so Abraham. Uh, wasn't always joyfully enduring or Sarah wasn't always joyfully enduring but you know what they were steadfast when it came down to the uh, to the time things uh, needed to be said they were they still believed God's word was true and that he said he was going to give them a child and 25 years passed by but God gave them a child now 
uh, I, you know, well, let's put this kind of in a perspective for you this morning, you know, and I know maybe we, you can all come up with your own examples, but when I think about 25 years of waiting for God's word uh, to be true, I, I've, been, I've been ordained into the ministry 27 years. That's almost the entire length of time that I've been in the ministry that God gave them a promise and time passed by. Think of what has happened in the last 27 years. Think of what's happened in your life. And think about uh, how things change. Think about Noah, 100 years uh, building the ark. Think about the children of Israel, 400 years down in, in Egypt and, and uh, 400 years in slavery down in Egypt because God was building a nation down there that he was going to bring out with a mighty hand. God's word promised it, but they had to patiently endure and, and see the promise re- revealed. Okay, so uh, you can go back and read all the men uh, and, and women that are laid out in Hebrews 11. Uh, so let's go over now to Hebrews 12 and, and, and look with this eye of how we've looked across the book of Hebrews um, more so than I've probably ever done in my years of ministry uh, and preaching God's word, looking over at, the, at kind of the big overall picture of what he's telling us here. And let's begin now with chapter 12 uh, where he says... Wherefore, seeing we are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, uh, seeing these great men and women of faith and thinking about how, what they endured, think about the time frames they waited, think about uh, sometimes the great strain, the children of Israel, 400 years in slavery and being mistreated during that time after Joseph had died uh, down there and uh, they're in slavery, being mistreated, treated as slaves. Uh, and so forth. Uh, he says, Wherefore, seeing we are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that's set before us. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. So he, he tells us here, part of what we do a lot of times, you know, people say, well, you've got to forget the past. Well, there's some truth to that. But you know, there's some truth to saying, you know what? I look back to the past, especially when it comes to God's word, and I gain strength from looking back at those men and brethren that endured more than I have endured and how God still remains steadfast to them. And because when God says it, it's yea and amen. Uh, And I can be sure today that when God has promised me some things and you some things by his word, that what I need to be doing is not questioning God. That's become very popular today, by the way, uh, even uh, especially among Christians. Uh, it's saying, uh, well, you know, where's God in all of this that's going, you know, what's God doing? Uh, uh, I'm telling you, we're taking the wrong frame, the wrong attitude, the wrong spirit. Uh, when we begin to say, what's God doing? Because I can tell you, whatever he's doing, if he's patiently waiting on the time when he will act and bring forth uh, his promises and his word, whatever he's doing is right. 
uh, what me and you need to do is get on the get on the program and get on board and say, you know what? I'm going to trust God. I'm going to believe God, even when I can't see Him actively working. Know that He is there, that He's sure, and that He knows all about. It. You know, the children of Israel uh, when they cried out for uh, uh, cried out uh, for the for the uh, uh, beatings and the enslavement that they were doing down there. God heard their prayer. God heard their cry. He knew all about where they were, what was happening, what was going on in the He knew the whole time. He acted when it was his time and when he was ready. And for uh, and in the meantime, you know, uh, we can look back over there and say, you know, a lot of people died in 400 years. They died in slavery. They, they died. Uh, some of them were born in slavery. Some of them died in slavery. They never saw the great promised land of God. They never saw the land that flowed with milk and honey. They never saw the relief from that. And I'll tell you, many of God's people may die in uh, not ever having seen the, the revealed things of God, the revealed truths of God. But I'll tell you what, doesn't mean God doesn't know where they are, what's going on, that he's not, not mindful of the things uh, that they're facing. So... He says, Wherefore, seeing we are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight <clears throat> and the sin. So the so the so he's given a picture here, if you will, of a uh, life in general for, for most folks is not a sprinter's race. It's a long distance run. And uh, and what we have to do on our way is lay aside the weight. And the sin that does so easily beset us. So, so my question for you is not to try to give you a list of a list of weights this morning. My question for you this morning is: What weight is weighting you down? What's keeping you from serving God like you should? What's keep, What's weighting you down? What's holding you back? You know that's that's the uh, that's the question that the race the the sprinter the uh, the runner has to has to ask himself. Is how do I train for the race? How do I prepare for the big day of the race? What do I do to make sure that I'm not held back in my in my race, uh, so that I'm not restricted in doing the best race that I possibly can? And I'm going to tell you this morning, for me and you uh, sitting here, the answer the answer to that question, while there might be many similarities and many overlaps. The things that weigh you down might not be the things that weigh me down. The things that I can do, uh, uh, I have no trouble with. The sin uh, problems that might not beset me at all might be your greatest struggle. And the same thing for you. The things that are maybe no problem for you might be the thing that weights me down the most. Uh, uh, but I'll tell you, all of us have a race to run. Uh, and and as we run our race, and as we, as we run, and, and our race... I race here. The race for me and you is not some race to get to heaven. Okay, the race for me and you is uh, is just our life right here, and and, uh, and he tells us in this race what we have to do is try to get rid of things that are weighing us down, trying to keep us from our service and our best service to God, whatever that might be for us. Uh, you know, for the uh, for the for the racer, they get the light shoes on. Uh, you know, they get the, 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 the best soles, the light, but the lightest structure they can get. They get sometimes the skimpiest outfits they can get uh, these days. Uh, but, you know, they get they get down to just what they need to run. Uh, uh, and to be sure, uh, especially if you're in a long distance run, you know, they'll have sometimes they'll have water bottles along the way. 
sometimes uh, I won't say a snack, but you know, if you're in a bicycle race, they have snacks and water and all this other kind of stuff. But you know what? They they have just what they need to run the race. Uh, you know what? One of the la- one of the worst things you can do uh, you, is dehydrate along the way during the race. And for us, the Spirit of God is often talked of as being the water of life. Uh, For you and me, we need the Spirit of God in our lives if we're going to run the race with patience. If we're going to endure, if we're going to make steadfast progress in our race, in our struggle, in our journey, whatever that might be. And there's all kinds of things, you know... uh, uh, I've never run a marathon, you know. Uh, uh, I will never run a marathon. I never did like uh, running that much anyway. Uh, but I can tell you, every every marathon race has just a little different obstacle. Uh, we were over we were over in Hawaii back earlier this year, and uh, uh, we were we were right up and down the road numerous times where they do the uh, the Ironman triathlon. It's right there in the area where we're at on the Big Island. Uh, there's no there's no uh, trees out there on each side of the road, and the breeze is constantly blowing in all, off the water, uh, and so facing a 25 mile an hour wind while you're running. Is constant is a, is a great struggle for people that are trying to run run that race. So it's also can be very hot right there in that area uh, at times, and so you're sitting there on a hot uh, black asphalt pavement. Uh, the heat's boiling up off the asphalt. The wind's blowing. All these things. There's hills up and down. Some courses may be flat. Some may be really hilly. Uh, but I'll tell you, all of them have got the, journey, got the journey laid out there before them. All of them have different obstacles. And I'll tell you, all of us bring a little something different to our race. Uh, some of us bring a better spiritual uh, nature maybe in facing the things that we face. Others maybe have to struggle with, how do I get a, get a little bit closer to God? How do I have a little closer walk with Him so that I get the strength and the spiritual nourishment that I need? So he says, let us lay aside every weight. And the sin which does so easily beset us. And let us run with patience the race that's set before us. All of us have, uh, again, have a different race. So, uh, but we're to run it with patience. And we do that looking unto Jesus, the author, uh, that means the beginner uh, and finisher or perfecter of our faith. Who for the joy, listen to him. Uh, For the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. So, again, you you can look at all the examples in the 11th chapter of faith that you want to look at. I, I think that is something we should look at and continue to look at and say, look at what all maybe Abraham endured. Look at what, you know, he was asked to sacrifice. He was, he was promised a son, waited 25 years, and then God asked him to sacrifice that only son. Uh, I mean, think about the heartache, the turmoil, the strife that th- these people went through of Noah and, uh, and of others that are laid out, of David and of Daniel and others that are laid out here in this, in this book before us. But he says, look most of all, when you're running your race, look most of all to Jesus Christ. Look at him not only for strength, but look at him for example. Look at the one that came here and is our example of perfect faith. This man knew all things. Uh, 
He knew what was lying before him as he kneeled to pray in that garden the night before. And the Bible describes him as sweating, as it were, great drops of blood there in that garden. Uh, One reason he was uh, sweating that is he knew exactly what was coming tomorrow, but he had never endured the type of pain that he was about about to face. He had never been in a place. He knew the Father was going to turn his back on him uh, and leave him in total darkness there uh, as, he, as he died upon the cross because our sins were laid upon him at that place. He knew that was going to happen, but he didn't know physically and spiritually what it was going to be. And, the, and as he prayed there in the garden, he prayed, God, give me strength. He knew as a man even uh, 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 that he needed the strength of the Spirit, the strength of God to endure. So it it tells us here that look to Jesus, look to him as our strength, look to him as one who, uh, you know, sometimes we might face persecution uh, here in this life. We've already talked about some of this uh, already. But as we face persecution here, look to Jesus, look to the one who endured such contradiction of sinners. Uh, he, was, he was a man who had no sin. You and I can't say that. You and I can't say, well, you know, well, I've never, you might have heard somebody, uh, I've heard people, you know, well, since I accepted Christ, you know, I live above sin. Well, uh, no, I, I don't know where their mind's at. Maybe they've deceived themselves somewhere along the way. It's not happening, by the way. And so uh, uh, he, he tells us here, but look at this man, this man who was sinless. This man who was perfect, this man who always had the right to, uh, right uh, expression, uh, the right uh, the right answer. You know, me and you, you know, we give answers. You know, sometimes I think when I get a little snidey, you know, about some of my comments or you know, a little, you know, right wrong tone, wrong thought, a little smart alecky or whatever. You know, maybe I I speak back in anger about something that somebody's saying to me, or just uh, you know, just generally being a. Uh, a jerk or whatever sometimes, you know, in answering people. And, and, and I think, but Jesus never did that. I mean, even when he looked at the Pharisees and said uh, and called them uh, what they were, uh, uh, he was not being uh, jerky, snidey, snarky, whatever other words you want to put on it. Uh, he was answering them just like it was and telling the truth. Uh, and it was for them to get on board with his truth, okay? So l- look at this man. Look unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame. I mean, it wasn't like he went to the cross and said, Oh, this is a great thing. I'm going to, uh, you know, I'm going to die and I'm going to have sin put on me. And what a great thing this is. No, I don't, I don't think he was looking at that right. He despised the shame of what he was actually going through. He, you know, beaten, clothes stripped off of him, all those things, so degrading, so demeaning, uh, as people catcalled and said all these things. He didn't, he didn't like all that, but he endured all of that because of, uh, for, for me and you. And so sometimes when we're, when we're struggling here in life and we're wondering, why am I doing? Why am I going? Why do I continue to, to go to church? Why do I continue to do the things that I'm doing? Why do I do that? I mean, I, I can look out here and look at a lot of people that, you know, seem thing, everything seems to be going well and they don't take that time out. Uh, but I'll tell you, it, it's worth enduring. It's worth Worth in uh, despising whatever shame that might come uh, our ways. So you know what? I'm going to do what's right according to the Father, regardless of what people might say, uh, because that's the right thing to do. Uh, so he says, uh, 
despising the shame, is set down on the right hand of the throne of God. He endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down on the right hand of the throne of God. He's given the chief place of honor. Now, the right hand. The right hand is where the favored son was always at, where the one that was going to, to receive the inheritance. He's always spoken of as being on the right hand of God. And so he says here, he, Consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest ye be wearied. <coughs> Verse 3, For consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest ye be wearied and faint in your minds. You know, you know where you know where we begin to faint at. <laughs> we start out fainting in our minds, our our minds and our spirits, and you know, put put it wherever you want to put it. Our hearts. We begin to faint of heart, faint of spirit, faint of mind before we begin to faint physically. And so, uh, people, uh, you know, he tells us here, do this, and, and so. I'm going to take a little bit of a detour here because I want to focus on some things this uh, this morning. And I, I hope uh, I may have to pull, but y'all, y'all are going to love this. Uh, Brother Adam will like this. Pull my phone out because I've got some things on here that I want to look at to go with this. Uh, but he, he tells us, uh, do it with patience. Uh, do it with steadfastness. And I want to go back real quickly and notice, uh, if, if you can, if we can for just a moment, let's notice how much patience is spoken of in the Word of God. Uh, and I, you know, I have to admit, when I began to zero in on this a few weeks ago, uh, when we were looking at it in chapter 10, uh, how he says, you know, remain confident, be patient. Then he goes over into chapter 11 and talks about how much uh, these men were patient. They were waiting for the promises of God to be fulfilled. They were walking by faith, living by faith. Uh, uh, the just shall live by faith. That's what we're to do while we're here. And he, and so he gets over here, and again he uses this word, while you're running your race, run your race with patience. You know, maybe the best, one of the best things that we could learn while we're running our race or, or thinking about while we're running a race is the fact Jesus Christ has already won the victory. We don't have to run in such a way that we're trying to be, you know, number one. We're not trying to trying to be the top person out on the race course, if you will. We're to just run patient. Run patient, looking to him. He's won the victory. Let us just run our race with patience while we're here. Looking unto Him. Looking to Him for strength. Looking to Him for wisdom. Looking to Him for guidance. Looking to Him to, to help guide our lives. Praying about things. I mean, you know, uh, if, if, if I pass the message on to every uh, young person here or every old person here, whatever that might be thinking about things, you know, praying. Praying when it comes to decisions about life. Praying when it comes to decisions about marriage. Praying when it comes to decisions about jobs. Praying when it comes to decisions about families. Praying, praying, praying. And then and then patiently waiting for God to give the answer. Sometimes we're sometimes we're so busy talking. We can't hear. <laughs> We're so busy uh, talking, you know, may, maybe, I'm, I'm just saying, maybe, you know, the extreme of, of uh, praying, praying, praying would be, saying, well, I'm praying all the time. Yeah, pray and then be quiet. Pray and listen to God. 
pray and wait for God to give to give an answer. Uh, sometimes I'm going to tell you the answer is going to be no. Uh, but you know what? That's okay too. Uh, sometimes for him to say no. So let's go over to Romans uh, 5 and let's look real quickly over there. Uh, some of you who are very familiar with scriptures will say, ah, I know where he's going with this. Uh, and that's good. I hope you do. Uh, but you know... Uh, I'm going to be, I'm, you know, confession's good for the soul, right? So I'm going to confess here this morning, somewhere over the last 27 years, I've probably been a little snarky toward patience. Right? I've made the comment looking at Romans 5, well, you know, hey, if you want to... If you want tribulation in your life, just, uh, you know, pray for patience uh, because uh, tribulations work with patience. And boy, if you want trouble in your life, but then I, then I need to, you know, I need to back up and, and recount all of that and say, you know what? Patience is important. And patience is important to, <clears throat> anybody got children? Patience is important. Uh, anybody have a husband or a wife? Patience is important. Anybody have a job? (laughs) Patience is important. And I'll tell you, God will train us and teach us and guide us and lead us in all the ways so that we have what we're we're needing, uh, but we need to be patiently waiting on it. (laughs) So in Romans chapter 5, he says, talking about justification by, by faith, uh, that, uh, that being justified by faith, we have peace with God through the Lord, through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom also we have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand. There's another one of those definitions of patience, being steadfast, standing firm, steady, and so forth. By whom we also have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. And not, and not only so, but we glory in tribulation. Excuse me. Not only so, we glory in tribulations also, knowing that tribulation worketh patience. Trials teach you to look to God and to patiently wait, for you know, hopefully patiently wait for the trial to end. Patiently wait for the trouble to be over. Patiently wait for the storm to pass. Patiently waiting for for the trials of life to, uh, uh, but he says, tribulations teach you something. So, you know, next time you're in having trials and having, I'm talking to me, by the way, uh, the next time you're having trials, you're having troubles in your life, stop and think maybe, what is God trying to teach me? Uh, instead of saying, well, obviously I've got tribulation in my life, so I must have messed up somewhere along the way. Isn't that how we think so many times? I've got trouble in my life, so obviously God's displeased. You know, maybe he's taking the favor away from me. No, all the troubles and trials that... Uh, look look back at those people of faith. Look back at the children of Israel. Look at the trials they endured. Look at the, the 400 years of, of slavery. Look at their bad response, which was unbelief. Uh, look how they had to endure 40 years in the wilderness. Watch all those above age 19 die except for Joshua and Caleb. Uh, but God was training them and getting them ready to enter into his land. God was training them and, and teaching them to look to him. <coughs> <coughs> 
Yes, I do have a cold. Uh, so he he was training them and teaching them. I was reading again the other day. You know that God began to feed, feed them with manna. <clears throat> Every day, except on except on the Sabbath day, there was manna in there. And the day before the Sabbath day, there was a double fold portion, and God caused it to last. I mean, you know, if you tried to pick too much one day, it would spoil before the next day. Except on their Friday, when God would give them a double portion to get them through the Sabbath day. And God managed to make it so that it didn't spoil the next day. I mean, all of these things are amazing, right? God gave them water. God gave them food. <coughs> God caused their, their clothes to endure uh, and to last in a, in a desert land, in a troubled, sandy place. <coughs> and the Bible, what I was reading the other day, after they crossed, after they crossed Jordan's River, after the 40 years had come to an end, they crossed Jordan's River, and it says they began to eat of old corn that was there in the land of Canaan. And the day they began to eat of the old corn, the next day the manna ceased. No need, no need for God providing manna anymore. They were in a land that had old corn. It had food there for them to partake of. So the manna ceased the day after they crossed the Jordan River and began to eat of that old corn. So God blessed them in all of these things. Tribulations, uh, uh, he says, and not only so, we glory in tribulations knowing that tribulation worketh patience. And patience, experience. And experience, hope. So God, uh, God gives us patience uh, our tribulations to work patience and patience is supposed to give us experience so that I, I can look around and say you know what this is not the first trial I've had in my life this is not the first problem I've had in my life and God saw me through that one it gives me experience it gives me hope you know I know I know that uh, the things that uh, you, you go back and I know I've, I've used this example over and over and over again but it's, it's so it's it's so good because it's a Bible example. Uh, you know, you go back and look at how God promised Abraham and Sarah that they would inherit the land. Yet there were many years. There was, there was Isaac and Jacob and Joseph and 400 years in Egypt before his family actually inherited the land. God promised them a child. If you're going to have an inheritance for people, you've got to have children in your family. Uh, yet 25 years passed by. And then God says, take your son and offer him to me. And Abraham, through experience, through trial and experience, looked back and said, God promised that he would give me inheritance. My people would inherit this land. And if he's given me an inheritance, then that child is going to live. That child is going to live somehow, some way. God's going to raise him from the dead. Somehow this child has to live. And, and Abraham reasoned this out based on God's steadfastness and God's faithfulness to do exactly what he said he was going to do. All of these things. So he says, patience uh, gives you experience. And experience, hope. Uh, uh, and, uh, and hope that maketh not ashamed because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts. So this is one. This is one example. So let's. I'm going to turn from here, and not do like I was thinking about doing. But we'll go on and, and let's turn over to the book of James, uh, because in the book of James, and y'all are all familiar with the book of James. It's not like uh, 
you know, the first time uh, y'all, have, y'all have ever heard uh, some of these things read. But uh, looking back at it, I want to look back real quickly at some things that are said there. He says, uh, uh, my, men, my, my brethren, I'm going to start with verse 2, skip the part of the salutation. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into divers' temptations, trials, troubles. Uh, he didn't say go around shouting and said, oh boy, I've got another trial today. No, uh, he's saying, look at how, what, what you can find out about yourself. Look at what you can find out about God and see how you can gain experience maybe for the next, next battle, for the next, next trial that comes your way. Uh, so my brethren, count it all joy when you fall into divers' temptation. Knowing this, the trying of your faith worketh patience. Tribulations worketh patience. The trying of your faith worketh patience. But let patience have her perfect work, that ye may be perfect or mature and entire, wanting nothing. So we began to see this whole message of faith in the book of Hebrews is talking about maintain confidence in God. And, and remember, and endure these things, the trial that you're facing now, even the struggle as the, as the Hebrew brethren, part of what he was addressing was the fact they wanted to fall back into their Judaism. Why? Because there was too much persecution for following after Christ. So uh, instead of following after Christ and facing persecution, let's just go back to acting the way we were. Let's just go back to the way we used to do. Let's go back to doing the things we used to have. And he says, no, with patience. Remember these people over here. Remember Abraham. Remember Remember Noah, remember David, remember Daniel, remember Sarah, remember Rahab, remember all of these people who patiently endured, trusting in God to see the outcome uh, at some point in time. And he reminds them in there, of course, uh, that many of them died never receiving the promises. But it doesn't mean they weren't faithful to God. Okay, so he says, knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience, let patience have her perfect work, that ye may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask God that giveth to all men liberally and upbraideth not, and it shall be, uh, shall be given, uh, <clears throat> shall be given, uh, given him. But let him ask in faith. Uh, nothing wavering, uh, for he that wavereth is like a wave of the sea, tossed with the wind, uh, driven with the wind, and tossed. For let not a man, th- for let not, for let not that man think that he shall receive anything of the Lord. Uh, for a, d- a, a double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways. So he's he's telling us here, what you need a lot of times is wisdom to face the trial. To face the temptation, to face the trouble. And he says, all of these things are going to work uh, patience, uh, but in faith, look to God for the wisdom you need to know how to overcome the trial that you're facing. And just remember, when you ask wisdom, God will give it to you liberally. Uh, One of the greatest prayers I think we could pray for is, God, give me wisdom. God, give me wisdom how to raise up my family. God, give me wisdom to how to just go through life. God, give me wisdom to how to how to go through, uh, uh, through endure through my job. God, give me wisdom to know how to best follow you. Whoa, there's a give me give me wisdom to know what I need to best serve you. God, he says, any man that lacketh wisdom, ask God, and he will give it to you liberally. Uh, there's a the best word for best use of the word liberally we can find. Uh, uh, God will give it to you abundantly. 
<clears throat> so he tells us now then, so God will give these things to you uh, liberally. And, uh, and, uh, and so uh, let, let not a double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways. Let the brother of low, uh, low degree and so forth. So again, remember, tribulations, trials, work is patience. And uh, and he tell, tells us here, let patience have your have her perfect work. Patience is a way of growing us. You know, forty years in the wilderness, patience had a way of growing the children of God to where they needed to be to look to Him. Let's turn over to James chapter five, and let's look at some more things that we find here uh, laid out in the Word of God. <clears throat> and he says, <clears throat> make sure I get to the right place. And I'm going to start. I'm just going to start with verse one because if I if I try to dive in somewhere else, I think I'll lose lose some of the point of this. But he says, "Go to now, ye rich men, weep and howl for your miseries, and that ye shall come, that shall come upon you. Your riches are corrupted, and your garments are moth eaten. Your gold and silver is cankered, and the rust of them shall be a witness against you, and shall eat your flesh as it were a fire. Ye have heaped treasure together for the last days." Behold, the hire of the laborers who have reaped, uh, have reaped down your fields, which is of you kept back by fraud. Now, you're seeing a whole problem here. We've got people that are, that are rich, abundant in, in goods. And he says, you've kept all these things for the last days, but the people that are working in your fields, you haven't given them, uh, you've held it back from them uh, by fraud. And he says, these things are cry out. Uh, and the cries of them which have reaped are entered into the ears of the Lord of the Sabbath. You have lived in pleasure on earth and have been wanton. You have, uh, are, are, you know, just kind of carefree. You have uh, nourished your hearts as in days, as in the, in a day of slaughter. You have condemned and killed the just, and he doth resist you. Uh, you begin to see a pattern here laid out. Uh, you know, maybe it's good for some of us to read some of these things, not only so that we know how not to do, uh, but it's also good for us because uh, a lot of times we get concerned. Well, look at all the people out there that are rich, that are abundant. Look at all that they have. God's got an answer for them, okay? And he says uh, the, they, they have condemned and killed the just. God resists, will resist you. Be patient, therefore, brethren, under the coming of the Lord. Behold, uh, the husbandman... <coughs> uh, be patient, therefore, brethren, under the coming of the Lord. Behold, the husbandman waiteth for the precious fruit of the earth and hath long patience for it until he receive the early and the latter rain. Be ye also patient. Establish your hearts, for the coming of the Lord draweth nigh. Grudge not against uh, uh, another, uh, another, brethren, lest ye be condemned. Behold, uh, the Lord standeth before the door. Take, my brethren, the prophets who have spoken in the name of the Lord for an example of suffering and affliction and of patience. You begin to see how many times this word comes up uh, here in the word of God. He says, look, at, look back at the brethren that what they endured, and they endured it with patience. Behold, we count them happy which endure. Ye have heard the patience of Job, and have, set, and have seen the end of the Lord, and the Lord is very pitiful and of tender mercy. So again, he says... You see how thing, how Job endured and through patience endured. And yes, even though he had his friends there trying to help him out, the end was better for Job than the beginning. Job was given back all his land. And not only that, Job learned some things about himself through all of that. 
Job learned that sometimes he had a little bit of a tendency to get a little self-righteous and a little uh, talking about, uh, you know, even though he started out very good and very good tone, I think, in the beginning of the book of Job, talking about, you know, well, you know, I'll just endure whatever I have to endure, you know, because of God. God has been so good to me, even though his wife is saying, just kill yourself and get get out of your misery. Job is like, no, I'm going to trust in God and all these things. But the more he began to talk to his buddies the more he began to doubt. We probably don't talk about this much in the book of Job, but you know you have to be careful about what kind of friends you choose. They'll tell you all kinds of things. Job had some friends that came supposedly to console Job. And when it's all over with, they're saying, Job, you must have been something wrong with you, Job, for all this to happen to you. They had gotten totally off track with the truth of God's word in their comfort Trying to say, yeah, you know, Job, I hope everything turns out okay for you. But, you know, there must be some kind of sin in your life for uh, otherwise this wouldn't have happened to you the way it did. And so we can begin to listen to people and, and listen to their comments and their thoughts. And the next thing you know, we're going off down a path that we shouldn't be going down with our thinking. And, and so Job had, to correct, Job had to correct himself from his error where finally the Lord got a hold of Job and corrected Job's error and says... Job, gird up your loins like a man and listen to me. Uh, I'm the one you need to be listening to in all these troubles and all these trials. Where were you, Job? You know, you know the whole story down there. Where were you, Job, when I created the world? Where were you when I did all these things? And Job, you weren't there. So what are you doing questioning how I manage things? And I'll tell you, the overall message of that watching who we're listening to and and paying attention to God and not questioning God are good lessons for us to learn from the book of Job uh, as we we journey through this journey that we have. So so he tells these brethren here, be patient, uh, brethren, under the coming of the Lord. Let us be patient waiting on the second coming. That was one of the problems, wasn't it, uh, that Peter addressed? He said, the day will come when men shall say, where is he that promised his coming? Uh, uh, Where is this God that says he's going to come he says patiently wait why because god said he was coming that's all we really need to know here i mean we we know it's good for us to know the times and the seasons i've tried to preach on some of these things so that we know and recognize what's going on in the world around us uh but at the same time not saying well i believe based on what you know it must be on september 25th you know you know whatever uh now uh, that's condemned in god's word also Patiently wait. Patiently wait. Do we, do we know if it will be 400 years or 100 years or how many years? And the answer is we don't know. We think, I think, the world is bad today. I, when I look at the examples of how it says it will be when he comes back, I can look around and say, well, it must be really close. But the truth is, I don't know how bad it's going to be by the time he gets back. Uh, so, uh, in the meantime, uh, our job is to patiently endure uh, the things that God has uh, has laid out for us here. So, let's turn back. I want to give you a couple quick examples and skip across some things real quickly uh, just to give you some further examples. Let's turn to 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. Uh, and he says, uh, uh, the, Paul greeting the church at Thessalonica, verse 2, we give thanks to God always for you all making mention of you in our prayers, remembering without ceasing your work of faith and your labor of love and patience of hope in the Lord Jesus Christ in the sight of God, our Father. He recognized right off the bat 
one of the things he was thankful for them is their patience in the hope of God. Let's turn to 2 Thessalonians chapter uh, chapter 1, I think, real quickly, and uh, we'll double-check that. Uh, 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, he says, Grace unto you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. We are bound to thank God always uh, for you, brethren, as it is meet, because that your faith groweth exceedingly, and the charity of every one of you and uh, of you all toward each other aboundeth, so that we ourselves glory in, in you and the churches of God. For your patience and faith uh, in, in, our, in all your persecutions and tribulations which ye endure. Have, have y'all been like me? Have y'all kind of read over that in the past and, and just look at this? Oh, oh yeah, they're they faithful and they're patient. And, uh, you know, and just kind of re- you kind of read through this kind of stuff. And then you begin to see this example that he laid out over the book of Hebrews of all these men who through patience endured and received and by faith uh, uh, followed after God and believed God. Many years passed by. And then you begin to look back at these scriptures and you say, huh, kind of interesting. He mentions uh, patience a lot in these things. Uh, let's turn over to uh, second, uh, 1 Timothy uh, chapter 1. First Timothy chapter 1, uh, I'll just jump in, uh, you know, he tells us in verse 6 of First Timothy 6, uh, he says, Godliness with contentment is great gain, for we brought nothing into this world, certain we can take nothing out, and having food and raiment, let us therefore, uh, let us therewith uh, be therewith content. But they which are rich fall into temptation and a snare, and into many foolish and hurtful lusts, which drown men in destruction and perdition. For the love of money is the root of all evil, which while some coveted after, they have erred from the faith and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. But thou, O man of God, flee these things, follow after righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, meekness. Fight the good fight of faith. You, you begin to see a pattern laid out here uh, in the Word of God. Let's turn over to 2 Timothy chapter 3. Uh, in 2 Timothy chapter 3, uh, as he's talking about some, uh, some things, and I, uh, I, think I'm, I think I'm right, 2 Timothy chapter 3. Uh, yes, he says, uh, uh, talking about Janus and Jambres withstood Moses. And verse 8, these also resist the truth. Men of corrupt minds reprobate concerning the faith, but they shall proceed no further, for their folly shall be manifest to all men, as theirs also was. But thou hast fully known my doctrine and manner of life and purpose and faith and long-suffering and charity and patience. You know, you begin to, you go back, you begin to look and say, you know what? Paul had to be patient, didn't he? I mean, with what he was doing, go back, we studied through the book of Acts here on Wednesday night, and you look at all the journeys he went and how he was beaten, how he was shipwrecked, how he was stoned, how he was bitten of serpents, how he was thrown out of towns. Uh, and Paul would go on to the next city and preach over there, and then he'd come back to that city that he was thrown out of, and he'd try to find the brethren there and preach to them, preach to them again, and all those things. And so, uh, again, I'll let you do some looking. Uh, you, you turn over to uh, Book of Revelation, chapter uh, chapter two, and the church at Ephesus. He, he commends them for their patience. Uh, we look over into the book of Titus. He tells the aged man uh, over there, he says, uh, uh, talking about, he says, but the aged man be sober, grave, temperate, sound in faith, in charity, in patience. I'm telling you, the more I begin to look at this, I realize that God is trying to teach us that part of our faithful walk to him 
as looking uh, uh, as we run this long, long run journey here that we have in life, and we don't know how long it may be. Uh, you know, I, I've gotten to the age and the point where I can say, you know, come quickly, Lord Jesus, or maybe wouldn't it be great to go go home uh, and be be with the Lord? But you know, I don't know how long I'm going to be here. Uh, and I don't know what kind of health I'm going to be in, to, in when I get there, get toward the end, uh, or maybe even before that, what kind of trials and troubles I'll have to face. But my job is to run the race. Run it patiently. Looking unto Jesus. Remember the example that he set when he ran his short, short life, 33 and a half years. Yet look at what all he did in those uh, three and a half years of his ministry here upon the earth, how he taught knowing the whole time I'm going to the cross. And he endured that, despising the shame, looking, looking to his father to, to strengthen him. So as we go through our journey, be patient. And that, boy, is that the biggest challenge I've given y'all in a while? Uh, to, be, to be patient and to look to the Lord. It's, it's one of my biggest challenges. Uh, so I hope we'll pray for one another. And look to God to do all that we do and need to stand and get the strength that we need. May God bless you. As we continue, I've got, what, through three or four verses of chapter 12 of Hebrews, so we'll have to look more because part of this patience endurance, as we look at this, leads us into the verses 5 through 9, which says, now what God does is He chastens you because He loves you. God, God uh, uh, not only do, do we have trials in our life, but then God chastens you to help get you back where you need to be in your service to him so may god bless you as our